Welcome to episode 473 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a compelling, humorous, earnest conversation with writer, social critic, and pop culture curmudgeon, Bruno Milo. Bruno and I discuss COVID-19, baseball players automatically starting at second base, soft ice cream versus hard ice cream, Bruno Mars, his aunt who worked for NASA, forgiving shoeless Joe, Pete Rose, and Barry Bonds, Hall of Fame versus Hall of Character, having faith in people, honest, impartial journalism, and summer plans, among other things. A grand conversation with Bruno Milo this go-round. We have an EWSA titled Lost with COVID, a short essay on being stubborn, published in the March 2022 edition of The Sun magazine, written by Miranda Spindle, a poem called Perfectly Postured. All of this will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. Let's get to it. Episode 473 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours.
Lost with COVID. It's going to be 90 degrees tomorrow, I am told. It's late May and I am feeling bold. The way we operate is a redundant phenomenon as one watches it unfold. So many claim to be sensitive, though all they truly want is to consume and unload. Perhaps I am projecting, just myopically projecting. There is a young guy in my neighborhood who built a house across the street on a once wooded lot, his wife's property. I watched from our living room window as it was built, cheaply done. I don't like the guy. His wife seems nice, though is a bit too timid. She rarely comes outside of the house. This guy's father came over one day to help him affix motion-sensored lights on the back and left side of the meek carpenter cavalcade. The back faces the front of mine. The left side faces a road called Edgewood. This guy's house is on a corner lot. Cars pass the front and left side. Every time a car passes his house, one or both of those spotlights he and his father affixed to the cheap, gray, unappealing structure illuminates the prefabricated mundane, the fear and desperate need for control in his brain. I am not necessarily a misanthrope. It's just that I don't like selfish, unaware, no taste, great haste into mediocrity. This commercial beast of a culture so plastic and stale. He paid men last year to poison his land so the grass and weeds don't grow. I prefer the deer that used to graze there during hunting season, avoiding the rifle and bow.
Hello. Bruno Milo, a.k.a. Mott Not Nerb, a.k.a. The Man. Is that you? It is. It is. E.W. Conundrum, my old friend. How are you? I am okay. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Uh, it's weird. This is the first and hopefully the only time I'll ever do uh, a, an interview of any sort. Uh, while having uh, COVID-19, you know, I, I, I have it right now, um, secluded in my studio, but I feel well enough to talk with my old friend, yes, Bruno Milo. He and I have been doing this sort of thing for years, and um, it's good to have you back on. Let me give people some background info about our uh, guest today. He, um, he's a writer, he's a social critic, and pop culture curmudgeon, among other things. And uh, today, I have a, a list of questions to throw at you, and he has no idea. He has no idea what I'm going to ask him. But before we get started, how are you? Uh, have you had the, uh, the vid yet? Yeah, I had a, uh, a couple years ago when it first started in December. Uh, I forget if this, I don't think the vaccine was out though. It may have been it. I hadn't had it yet, but yeah, I had it early on and, uh, my case was mild. I hope the same is true of you. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've been vaccinated and, uh, had my booster as well. So it, I mean, it, I had a fever for a few days and kind of out of it, uh, flu, it was like the flu, but it was, I, it, it definitely was something, and I still feel it. I feel weak and worn worn down, but much better. It's a strange affliction. Uh, first of all, it's strange to me in the fact that it seems to afflict everyone in a different way, almost, in that everyone, some people don't even know that they have it. Uh, my case, uh, the reason I knew or suspected that I did, I lost my sense of taste, and I suspect that you have as well, because that seems to be the one symptom or one of them that everyone seems to have in common. So, Well, I didn't lose my sense of taste. Really? Uh, no, I didn't oh. at all. No. Um, yeah. You're my, lucky, I yeah, think. I guess, yeah. Definitely. At least, you know, I could still have a meal and taste it well. But I wasn't very hungry, you know. But we don't want to bore people hearing how we are when we're sick. Eh, yes, we do. <laughs> we're going to do that anyway. <laughs> we're going to bore people, yeah, generally speaking. Um, but how's, how's 2022 been so far for you, or maybe just when you look at the world and your perception, how has 2022 been so far? We haven't talked since 2021. No, I suppose that's true. It's, it's messed up. Uh, my own, uh, recent, my career for, for lack of a better term, um, the field where I work in has been affected recently by um mass turnover and i had to have my schedule changed a little bit and my job even has changed in a way so it's been affected that way and i don't think it has anything necessarily to do with people being afflicted with the covid it's just that for whatever reason uh there's always a high turnover rate in this field to social services but uh it's exceptionally high with with my agency right now so well, yeah, it's like the Great Resignation, isn't that what they what they call it? Everybody doesn't want seems to be leaving their jobs, 
and 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 it is it is sort of aligned with the pandemic you know for for some reason is, i guess yeah so yeah I, I don't know i don't know and we should let people know you are a caregiver you take care of uh folks who have difficulty taking care of themselves um, yes that's my term but i don't really care you don't care ha 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 um, anyway, that's the way you pay your bills. But I know I've known you for a long time. You're, you're um, a thinker, you're an artist, um, and um, a rabble rouser sometimes. And uh, you know, it's good to it's good to know that I will rouse the rabble. Yeah, well, that, I think I live amongst the rabble, so you do. I'm gonna get more rabblerier than me. That's not even a word. It is now. Um, so. I want to ask you some questions, uh, and let's see how you respond. You are, again, uh, a social critic and a pop culture curmudgeon, Bruno Milo. So let's see how you respond to these questions. Should a baseball player automatically start at second base during extra innings? No, I hate that rule. (laughs) Thanks for that question. No, Uh, it's perverting the game. I don't really understand why it's being done. I understood it. I never really understood what that had to do. That was something that started during the pandemic, as you may remember. Yes. And uh, no, I hate it's the rule that that's what they're doing, trying to do to baseball uh, or, you know, to speed it up is I don't think it needs to be sped up. I think baseball should move at its own pace, but that's my opinion. I seem to be in the minority among the, no one's asking for my ideas, but putting a man on second base is a total perversion of the game. It really is. It's as bad as seven inning baseball games. And there's talk of doing that shortening regular season games, to seven innings. Jeez. So, you know, these people are so upset about, you know, the pace. They should stop being involved with baseball. Watch basketball or football or something or whatever, you know, something that has a faster pace. Leave baseball. I'm with you on that. Well, making it seven innings, it's a nine-inning game. And, and the, you're, Absolutely. To me, I, I'm with you. The starting, uh, p- putting someone on second base that didn't earn that position, didn't get there by any, you know, means that is about the physics of and chance, so to speak, I guess, of baseball makes it's absurd to me. I, okay, just go to second. <laughs> what? Yeah. Do, I, I, I ask, ask my family whenever I'm watching a ball game and extra inning starts, I, I stop watching because I, it doesn't seem it's like infuriating, it, yes. it's not a real game anymore to me. <laughs> it's not. It was up to that point. Uh, okay, thank you. No, I totally agree with you. No. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I think you're right. We need to watch a ball game again together. We used to do that all the time. Sure, a live one. We need to go to, over to the stadium. We do. We, you know, uh, watch the Rail Riders. The Rail Riders, the Yankees AAA team. Uh, if if anybody's wondering uh, who we're talking about, it's a great ballpark and great baseball for sure, and affordable. Um, so uh, here's another one for you. Do you prefer? Soft ice cream or hard? Uh, it's interesting. I I like both, to tell you the truth. I'll eat either one. But there's a novelty and a, a kind of, um, yeah, novelty aspect to uh, soft ice cream that I kind of like, I guess. So sometimes 
if I don't go to stands very often, but if I do, yes, it's the soft ice cream I'll get. So, all right, so soft ice cream over hard. I think so, but I I like both. I'd eat either one. So I'm an <laughs> ice cream lover. <laughs> yeah, your favorite flavor? Uh, chocolate, but I branched out. I, I'll I'll again. There's many kinds. Like you don't want the whole litany of. There's pretty. It's easier to say the ones I won't eat. I guess. And off the top of my head, I don't know any ice cream flavors I won't eat. Onion-flavored ice cream, I would not. <laughs> Prune and spinach flavors, you know, uh, one I won't. Yes. Green bean-flavored uh, ice cream. No, thank you. <laughs> hey, have they started making any ice cream uh, that's uh, marijuana-based yet? Have I? No. Ha- no, have they? Made it. Though the ice cream people. I don't people, know. I don't know. I think that's on the um, horizon. Good to know. You know, I, I, the worst ice cream I ever had was a vegan ice cream. I tried it uh, Asbury Park on the boardwalk, and it was terrible. <laughs> it was what was it made out of? I'm not sure. I didn't get the ingredients. Uh, I didn't ask. I just, I saw, I wanted to try it. You know, vegan ice cream. I got, I think it was pistachio. It was very dry. It was like sand. It was terrible. Okay. It was terrible. It had no taste, really. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't bad tasting. It was no tasting. Oh. Um, okay, so Dr. Oz or Bruno Mars? No, Bruno. Yeah. Uh, first of all, brothers and Bruno-ness. Uh, but I mean, Dr. Oz. Uh, I would never watch Dr. Oz. I'm not really I'm not familiar, that familiar with his television uh, career. I know that he was pretty famous as a, a person that was on Oprah or an Oprah person. But that's all I really know. And I really haven't learned that much since, to tell you the truth. Yeah. He's a carpetbagger. You know, when you look well, at... Well, I think he's... I'm sorry. No, no. I was just trying to back up what I was saying. You know, he, he he's not really from Pennsylvania yet. He's trying to become senator of Pennsylvania so that, uh, he, you know, he's been brought in by the Republican Party because... A Republican senator is retiring, and they they don't want to lose that seat, that position. So they figure they're bringing a celebrity like Oz, and he could keep that that seat Republican. But he's not from here. No, but I think there's a long history in politics of people doing that. Arlen Specter was not from Pennsylvania either. True, he was from Kansas. Uh, so, I my bigger problem with him is you mentioned his celebrity. I think that's all I know Doctor Oz to be. I didn't wasn't familiar with his politics before, and uh, I haven't. Like I said, I haven't studied Doctor Oz, but I've seen way too many of his commercials, so I have some idea. I think of where he stands or where he wants people to think he stands. So, all right. So Doctor Oz is not your choice. Bruno Mars is, uh, yeah. and you like Bruno Mars because he's got the name Bruno, or just because any you know compared to Doctor Oz, I like some of his music too. Uh, I like some of his music. Yeah, I do too. I do it's too. very catchy. He's got some catchy songs. He's got some catchy tunes. It doesn't hurt that they're on the radio all the time, I guess. <laughs> Just like. Yeah, saturated, for sure. Um, he's not very tall in physical stature either, is he? He's like 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, which uh, I could, you and I can relate to. I don't really to. know. We're yeah, not the, absolutely. We're so. not, you know, we're not the, no. no. I mean, we're bigger than that, nope. but. Yeah, we could eat apples off his head, but uh, <laughs> why would you want to do that? <laughs> oh, yeah, we could eat apples off his head. Uh, 
Eating apples off Bruno Mars. I'm, I'm making a note. Um, so right. I, I yeah. Could, yeah, yeah. Uh, have we ever really landed on the moon? Come on. <laughs> well, uh, my um, aunt used to tell me she worked for NASA. Who did? But she lived in Cleveland. My aunt, my mother's oldest sister, uh, worked for NASA. She claimed she saw sent me many pictures that had to do with the space program when I was a preteen. Uh, if it was supposed to get me in, interested in space, it really didn't. But I did like the pictures. I will say that. And yeah, I've always believed it. Though there's plenty of proof we only did it in Arizona. So, so you believe we have your, your aunt has? I do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I do. This is not Aunt Gert. She's the youngest, isn't she? No, her name was Christine. Actually, Christine. No. Yes, you never. I don't think you ever met her because she had passed away. Oh, I think the early '80s, and she lived in Ohio. So uh, I think yeah. you ever met her. No, I don't think so. Aunt Gert was great, though. You have a great family. She was, yes. I love to say, yo, Gert, to her. Yo, Gert, I'd yell across the room. <laughs> and what would she say back? Shut up. <laughs> Give me a drink. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Now, how about this? This is a touchy one, so and I want to get you ready for this one. Do do, right. do you forgive Shoeless Joe? <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything to forgive. I don't know that he did anything. Uh, he was Joe's. He I, again. He's one of those people that belongs in the Hall of Fame. I think even if he did commit uh, the crime of taking money from gamblers, he's he's paid his he's paid his dues, and uh, I believe he was one great hitter. Of course, I never saw him, but he, from what I've heard, he's one of the greatest hitters who's ever lived. It's, Career batting average is like 330 or something, which is just unbelievable. Wow. No matter what era you played in. So, uh, yeah, I, I forgive Joe Jackson, yes. Absolutely. How about Pete Rose or Barry Bonds? Well, I think you know that I think Barry Bonds belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's, one again, a travesty that he uh, is not in the Hall of Fame. He was a three-time MVP before anybody can say he took any uh, steroids. I'm not saying he didn't take steroids. I'm saying he was a great player well before he took any. Um, and Pete Rose, is the all-time hitter, belongs in the Hall of Fame. We should stop pretending that it's a Hall of Character and uh, base what people do on the baseball field. Uh, Ty Cobb does not belong in the Hall of Fame if we're going to base it on character. So Why? I think you know why. He was a devout racist. No doubt about it. I think Ty Cobb, if you're here today, would admit I'm a racist. And wouldn't have any problem saying it. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I I knew that, but I'm not sure the listeners all know that Ty Cobb was a racist. A lot of people, uh, that's a long time ago. We're talking about Shoeless Joe. Ty Cobb was, was before Shoeless yeah, Joe. So over 100 years ago or so. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Barry Bonds is more contemporary. Um, he is. Yeah. Now, off the subject of baseball, I know that's one of your favorite things. Uh, uh, we might get back to it, but uh, I want to ask you right right now. You know, we talk, we start off talking about the pandemic. Uh, do you think we should still be wearing masks? Uh, no, I'm not a big mask person. I had I have a job where I have to wear one all the time. I understand why, and I understand how contagious this is. Uh, masks are contag. I do not wear one. To tell you the truth, I don't believe I'm putting anyone in danger. 
uh, especially outside. To tell you the truth, I don't understand why anyone wears one outside. Do you think it's so? You just think the pandemic it, uh, is not uh, that strong anymore, where we need masks, or never masks were never really uh, needed. Uh, or are you just sick of it and you don't care anymore? Well, kind of all of the above. I think there's evidence out there that says that masks really don't do anything, especially the cotton masks that a lot of people wear. Uh, I, I believe, like I said, I know that the pandemic was real. Do I think it was that bad? Uh, no, I think it's been overrated by how bad it, it truly is. I think a lot more people have lived through the pandemic than have died. So all we hear about are the people who have died. So uh, to me, it's a little bit overstated. Yes, it goes on. It's very contagious. But I believe also, I don't have any problem with people wearing masks. Don't get me wrong. You want to wear one. I, I hear you. I mean, I I don't like wearing them, and I'm tired of it. Um, though I, I disagree with you a little bit on in regards to whether they're effective. I think they do make a difference. I think if if we didn't wear them, I think the, the death toll would be much higher than it, it is. And it is significant. I mean, aren't we close to a million that have passed or at a million? Because yes, but how many people have lived through it? When comparatively, I mean, yes, a million deaths is a lot. I'm not trying to say that it's not. It absolutely is. But hundreds of thousands of people die in this country every year. Let's not forget that either. Um, and so, yes, I believe it. And it kills people. I know someone who's died from it. I'm not trying to downplay that it wasn't and it isn't a serious thing, but it afflicts people differently. And that's one of the weirdest things about it. I had it and was fine. I know someone who had it with a respiratory problem and died. So I think if you have the right mixture of things, the right, let's lack of a better term, a perfect storm sort of, you're going to be more heavily afflicted by this thing. And I believe that happened. I know also someone who doesn't believe it's real at all. So, and that should never be. And this is one of the reasons I believe that there are people who do believe and don't believe is political. That's what it all boils down to. It's political. But it's real. Yeah. It's real. I mean, the, you're saying whether people believe it, it is a, something to take seriously or not, that is political. But you do believe the pandemic was real, though you believe it has been overblown. Yeah, I think you summarized that pretty well, yes. Okay. I do. Um, yeah, I do think it's a bit overstated. I'm still trying to process it all, you know. The severity I, of it, yeah. And I, I think a lot... Go ahead. Well, I think numbers, a lot, tons of numbers have been thrown around like this, and it's grotesque in a way. But I'm going to throw some around. The last time I saw any numbers about it was weeks ago and it was less it was before well before there were some a million people reported as dead but there were at least 80 million positive cases so that's at least 80 to 1 now that may sound cold but those are pretty good odds uh that's all i'm trying to say is that maybe maybe when hundreds of thousands of people die every year in this country for some reason this thing has been treated much more severely than it deserved. I think there is a faction of people in the media who want to keep other people scared. 
I know the media sensationalizes things. I agree with you, and I know fear is something a lot of folks like to put out there because it works in their favor and somehow. It keeps them in control. It keeps products being bought and attention being paid, which translates into money. I, I, I hear you, and I believe that to be true as well. But I, I just want to make this point one more time. You, you, you're right. The odds are pretty good that you'll be okay but if we did not get so diligent and make sure we found a vaccine and try to get as many people as possible vaccinated, and, and uh, if we did not uh, sort of seclude ourselves for a time and, and we didn't wear masks, I think it would, be, it would have been much, much worse. You know, so it's like, well, it's, it's not as bad, it's not so bad, maybe because we, we did it the right way. Or in a good way. If we didn't, if we just said, "Who cares?" Maybe it would it would be a much worse situation. Well, that's not what I'm saying. We should have done. And I'll say this: a few months ago, a report came out by John Hopkins who said a lot of the remediation things we did didn't really matter, such as masks or social distancing. Just as many people would have gotten sick. Now, a lot of people didn't hear about the report from John Hopkins because there's. Again, in my belief, some faction of the media who doesn't want people to know things like that. You're talking so, about the medical institution, Johns Hopkins? John Hopkins? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, so hear, I didn't hear about the that. Leading authority. They were the leading authority for most of the uh, accumulated debts and the, the toll that was taken. They were the ones, they were the go-to for a long time. But uh, that report wasn't widely publicized, but you can look it up and... It, like I said, the remediation techniques we took may not have been as effective as we think. The vaccines, I totally think they were a great idea. I have no problem with that. I'm vaccinated, so I have no problem with that. Like I said, I know this thing is real, but I also feel it's been overblown. All right. Bruno Milo here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. I told you, writer, social critic, and pop culture curmudgeon. I guess you could say the <laughs> pandemic is sort of pop culture, isn't it? Uh, it is now. It sure is. Um, do you have faith in people, Bruno? Yeah, that's one thing that I think has been under-publicized during this whole thing is I think people have gone out of their way, as usual, to help their neighbors. Uh, there were plenty of food drives during the early days of the pandemic where people passed out food. Many charities did it. It seemed like they were doing it every day. But that was not publicized heavily. Usually when there's tragedies like this, their newspapers or television, whatever, the media looks for feel-good stories about people helping each other. Maybe you pulled your neighbor who was unconscious out of their house and there was a story about it or whatever. But there were very few stories like that during this uh, pandemic. And there have been, to me, they've been few and far between. And it's odd for me to bring it up because I honestly don't like stories like that, but because they seem cheesy to me and artificial. But the fact that there have been so few, it's caught my attention because in a way it seems like a natural time for them. Doesn't, don't you want to hear stories about a good feel good stories about something that which made people feel so bad generally? I mean, uh, this has had a psychological effect on everybody in a way, certainly. Uh, the first year or so when we were socially isolated, that affected a lot of people. So, I mean, why do you think there are aspects that 
Why do you think that is, though? Why, why do you think there weren't as many, you know, feel-good stories uh, during the pandemic? Because the, they don't want you to feel good. They want you to be scared. And when I say they, I mean there is a portion of the media. I believe there are honest, impartial journalists in the media. I do. But I believe right now they are outnumbered. And I believe there's a faction in the media that is controlling what the media wants to do. And it's interesting how the media has a single focus. It has usually the same stories are on the same media sources. And you hear the same things throughout the day. I don't think that used to be the, the way it was. But that's the way it's become. Like, I'll, I'll listen to NPR and I'll hear things. And I'll watch MSNBC and I'll hear things. And But then I'll change the channel to CNN, uh, Fox News. Yes, I'll watch it sometimes. Or I'll watch C-SPAN and I'll hear different things and different stories that maybe I didn't hear. Or a different version of a, a story I heard on NPR or MSNBC. And that should not be. That's not the way the news should exist. So, Well, you know, MSNBC and Fox, they have different perspectives for sure. Um, NPR, you'd like to think, uh, or, you know, PBS, they're hopefully more objective, uh, though I'm sure folks would say they lean to the left. Um, and there are just lies being slung too and you know organizations like newsmax and fox they lie they do i mean i'm not saying msnbc doesn't as much i'm biased maybe i cannot even uh really honestly analyze or compare these these organizations i think i think fox and newsmax they're they're terrible operations awful people involved <laughs> i really do msnbc i think they lean a certain direction but i i, I think they're earnest I do. Um, I, I don't. I think it's a false sort of comparison to say, well, one's just left, one's right. You know, in their in their view, I think one is lying and underhanded, and the other is left leaning. You know, uh, so I'm not gonna, uh, you know, parse words on that. So you you're gonna. I know what you're saying. I think you just want facts and not spin. Yeah, and I couldn't disagree with you more about MSNBC. Um, I hear lies every day out of Joe Scarborough's mouth. So, and they are, there's no impartiality there. And that's what the media is totally lacking, is impartiality from any corner, if you want to say it that way. But it's vanished. Yeah. So, uh, no, MSNBC is not just left-leaning. They've taken a side. Uh, and they're the anti-Don. Everything is Donald Trump's fault on MSNBC. It's cloudy day, Donald Trump's fault, so... Well, do you like Donald Trump? No, but I don't want... He's not to blame for everything. It's, everything is not his fault. It's bigger. Uh, so, it's deeper and bigger. You're right. Well, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's the anti don They should change the name the show, uh, Morning Joe to Morning Trump, because that's all they talk about. He's, a right, he's actually a right-leaning Joe Scarborough. No, he's not. Not anymore. I think so. I, th I mean, yeah, well, your definition and mine are real different. Then, yeah, I don't hear anything right leaning out of his mouth. I have. Well, you know what? I don't watch. I really don't watch the news much. So I don't know. I watch it sometimes here and there when something big's going on. Usually I'll watch CNN um, uh, or, you know, I love the news hour on PBS. I think they're really good. That's probably the to me. That's the most impressive group. And there's a there are a couple of shows that you can catch on. Uh, public television, one out of uh, uh, 
well, the BBC, that you, could, you can watch some BBC news. And there's also one out of Berlin, Germany, uh, that, that, that airs uh, nightly. And if, if you, you know, I, if, I, I like watching all of them. You get a little bit from England, a little bit from Germany, and then you get PBS. It's, uh, but, but mainly reading. Reading the news is my favorite. Um, anyhow. Why, there's a spin there, too. Well, there is, but I like to sit with the stuff, read it, read the line over a couple times, maybe take a moment and then, you know, go look at something else to get some background information. When I'm watching on TV, they only, they don't give you as much as I, I like or, or need to understand, you know? Well, it depends on what you're watching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Enough of that. What are your plans for the summer? We're almost out of time here already, right. Bruno. I what don't do you... really have any formal plans. I don't, I don't do that. I, uh. I wing it, I guess. Uh, my schedule is different, as I said, and I don't know exactly when it's going to return to the way it was. Uh, today, I worked what I would consider my normal schedule, but I don't know it's going to be the same every day, and I don't know that far in advance. And like I said, right now, it's, there's a little... Uh, I don't really know. I know I have a job. Sometimes I have more of a job than I want, so uh, that's not going to change as far as I know, at least not in the foreseeable future. Not in the next couple few weeks, so <laughs> and my my days off are dwindling. So you ask, so so you don't have any plans for the summer except for work. No, basically none. No, well, I I'll do my things that I do, but yeah, I'll be working. That's that's what I'll do. And yourself, you you and your family. How's the family? Oh, they're good. They're you know they they keep me going. Um, you know, we'll, we'll spend uh, a week at our chalet in France and then uh, a couple of weeks at our chalet in um, in uh, Portugal. And uh, then we I have the, had so many chalets. Yeah, we have a chalet in Troop, too, right next to the landfill. <laughs> uh, that one I've been to, yes. <laughs> I thought that was your summer chalet. <laughs> no, I don't know. You know, I'll maybe go to the beach for a day trip here and there and... Uh, Maybe the big city and hit some festivals locally, uh, and just spend some time with family and friends, and hopefully you, my 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 dear friend Bruno Milo. Uh, well, that's awful sweet of you. I feel the same way. They haven't been afflicted by your illness, have they? The family? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some have. Some have not. Some of we we've we've sent out of the house to stay with. Uh, other folks until those who of us who have it, uh, it passes. Um, but several folks in the house here have, have had it. But it's it's just about over, thankfully. Knock on wood. All right. I'm glad to hear that everyone's recovering. That's good. Well, let's make... It wasn't that severe, so... Yeah, me too. Thanks for saying that. Let's make a point to get together and at least see a ball game together. I'd love it. Anytime, like I said... I'm not doing much, but I don't know my schedule, but I get two days off a week, and generally it's the weekend. So, again, probably too much information. But <laughs> Well, I'll keep, I'll keep checking in with you, and maybe we'll go to a game, it'll get into extra innings, and then we could heckle the, extra, the second yeah, guy. Yeah, that's fun, sure. Yeah. And the, and the umps, we have to get on the umps. The first thing you do is, that's, a, that's what you call that, a strike? See? <laughs> right, just like that. <laughs> uh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Take Thank care you. of yourself. I've been yelling at the TV for weeks. Okay. Take care of yourself and, and keep on yelling at that TV. You too, brother. You take care of yourself. Ciao. Later days.
essay published in the Sun Magazine's March 2022 edition from its Reader's Right section. This is on the topic of Being Stubborn, written by Miranda Spindle of Fort Collins, Colorado. I bought the donkey from a slaughter auction named Cinderella, Cindy for short. She was emaciated and had painfully overgrown hooves. Clearly, she had not been cared for in some time, if ever. It was also immediately clear that she'd formed a strong aversion to humans. People called her, quote, resistant, quote, obstinate, and a, quote, stubborn ass. Luckily, I have similar tendencies especially when it comes to those who've been mistreated. Cindy has lived with us for just over two years now. Although she shyly eats treats when offered, tolerates the farrier who cares for her hooves, and seeks out a gentle ear rub now and again, her opinion of humans has not shifted much. Visitors occasionally become frustrated by her quiet defiance, But let me tell you, we humans are the stubborn ones with our inability to think differently about these amazing animals. Mistreated for centuries, donkeys have a lot to teach us about relating to each other and the world. Donkeys know how to slow down. Try to rush a donkey and you'll quickly discover they have far more patience than you. Donkeys are independent thinkers. 
deeply intelligent, they like to be offered a choice and ample time to consider. They are pacifists at heart and can rarely be provoked. Donkeys take every opportunity to play. A hula hoop, a hat, or a hose can provide hours of entertainment. They cherish their families and grieve deeply when separated from companions. Given a reason to trust, they are the most loyal of friends. Given a reason not to, they will never forget. If I have learned anything from my time with Cindy, it is that she could be my greatest teacher. Chuchubella.
perfectly postured. A skateboard at a crossroads. The champion lollipop sucker in her foofy purple robe. She steps onto it. The smooth, panked dirt matches the color of her man's button-down shirt. His tattoo of the yellow-orange sun rising on his chest between his pecs inspires her to ride it all into the wind. Her bare ass so supple and free, her perfectly postured back flexing naturally as she glides into the future and the robe is left in a ball on the ground, almost mocking me without making a sound.
And there you have it, episode 473 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend, Bruno Milo, The Sun Magazine, writer Miranda Spindle, and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, Phantom Planet, Bully, The Grateful Dead, Big Star, Nouvelle Vague, Branford Marsalis, and Terence Blanchard too. And of course, I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care. <laughs>